Amen. Will the real church please stand up? And this is the series that we're in the middle of. This is week three. Uh, the first week we talked about voice, the voice of the church. The second week we talked about the power of the church last week. And then this week we're going to talk about action, the action of the church. We're also in the coming weeks going to talk about the love of the church, the harvest that the church is responsible for, and prayer as being some of the characteristics of the real church. You see, the, the voice of the church was, was bold. God called us to have a voice in the community, in society, in the world. He called us to the world. He said, don't, don't hide your light under a bushel. Don't uh, just keep it to yourself, right? If something's good enough, you want to share it. When you go to a restaurant that just tastes awesome, the first thing you want to do is just say to somebody that you know and love and you want the, uh, another foodie. You say, hey, you've got to try this. This is the best, right? Jesus is the best. Amen. And we're called to share what, what, what he's given us to share. That's the harvest. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. But God has called us as a church of doers. James says, don't be just a hearer, but a doer of the word, right? So we're not sitters and we're not watchers. We're doers. We're participators. We're not just observers. And I believe that people want to be engaged and involved. People, when they, when they connect with LifeWay, they're like, what can I do now? What can I do? I have something to give. God created us with that desire to be engaged and involved. And we didn't become a part of the body of Christ to pray and expect God to do all the work, right? He uses us as we're willing and we're able. We're yielded and we're empowered. And so I believe, if we look over to Ecclesiastes verse 7, or chapter 7, verse 8. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8, the New King James Version. It says it like this. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. Can you believe the same God that started the church is going to end the church in a blaze of glory? Yes. We're, we're going to leave this earth not as a beat down, beat up, silenced, half broken right. bride of Christ. We're going to be a radiant, full of glory, full of strength, full of life. In fact, I was watching a wedding video yesterday. And... The bride, she sits right here, three rows back. I was, I, I was watching their, their video of their wedding, Jazz and, and uh, James. And, and it was wonderful. We're the bride of Christ, guys. He's invested in us. He has dreams about us. He wants us to be radiant, to be wonderful, to, to be powerful and strong. And, and, and uh, how do you say uh, uh, reflecting his goodness. That's it. Reflecting his goodness. Reflecting his goodness. So I believe that the end of the church is going to be better than the beginning. And if we think about the beginning of the church, we have to go back to the book of Acts. The church will walk in power like it did in the book of Acts. What they experienced in the book of Acts, we will experience today. 
This, this side of the church is ready to experience that, right? What they experienced in the past, we're going to experience today. Yes. We're excited about what God is doing in us, regardless of what we see. Even when we can't see it, he's working. He's working in us. He's working through us. And the world is waiting for the church to stand up and take its place. That's what the Word of God says in Romans chapter 8, verse 19. It says it this way in the Passion Translation. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. If you're a son and daughter of God, the world is waiting on tiptoes. The whole universe is waiting for God to reveal so that we're clothed with his glory. So that the church is walking in that authority that Jesus invested into us. He said, take my name and go do what I did. Right? This is the real church. Those that are walking in the fullness and the power of God. We're not beat down. We're not silenced. We're not backing up. We're not apologizing, accommodating, compromising apologizing because we, because we said, we dared to say what the Bible says. And I hold it up hoping that the video gets it. <laughs> because I'm not making up my own words. The Bible says. You, you know, they're canceling people because they're saying what the word says. It's hate speech. No, it's love speech. Thank you. But the entire universe is standing on tiptoe. I love this verse. And I believe it's the next thing that we're going to see before Jesus comes back. Is the church standing up and declaring, Jesus loves you. And demonstrations in the streets. There's going to be demonstrations in the streets. Just like there was in the book of Acts. Think about, I said this last week, but think about how the church started. God found a room full of people that were seeking his face. And he filled them with his love and his power and then said, go out. And they went out into the streets. This is significant that God doesn't want his people to, to, to just have a, a closed door, members only party. He wants to display his grace and his love to a dying world that is confused and hurt. And so, of course, there's an enemy that's trying to prevent us from doing what God wants us to do. But God uh, is wanting to demonstrate how powerful he is. He wants to show himself strong in your individual life as well as the church. Us to come together collectively in unity, declaring what God says that he loves and we hate what God hates. Does anybody believe that God hates certain things? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's things that God hates. But God is love. How can you reconcile that? Only, only if you're God you can reconcile that. We believe that God loves people and he hates sin. He hates anything that would separate people from him. Right? And so we need to de define what demonstration is. Demonstration. We'll probably have part one and part two of this message. 
Demonstration. This is, this is so good, though. Guys, a demonstration is not just show and tell. It's not just show and tell. You remember when you were in grade school and you had show and tell and you brought your little frog and you said, oh, look what I found. And this is, I named him Freddy, Freddy the Frog and for show and tell. No. Look up the definition of demonstration. It's the act or process of providing evidence for or showing the truth of something. Another definition is an illustration or explanation as of a theory or product by exemplification or practical application. So it's not just show and tell, but it is proof. I want you to, to, to realize that a demonstration of God is proof. It was proof that the Holy Spirit had been poured out when they rushed into the middle of Jerusalem and they began demonstrating, demonstrating the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. The nine gifts of the Spirit we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Why are we going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit? Because they're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <laughs> and God didn't erase. The last time I opened my Bible, he didn't erase 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's still there. And as a young person, I was intrigued by the power of God. I wanted to see the power and ask the question, where's the power in the church? Where's the power? They must be keeping God out of their church if there's no power in the church. Come on. And so I wanted to find out where the power was. And so I began to look through the book of Acts and, and, and looking for demonstrations. And you see Jerusalem and you see the streets and tongues. And then you go to the gate beautiful out there in public where Peter and John were going up to pray. And they, the man got healed because they dared to say in the name of Jesus, rise up. There was a demonstration right out there in public. God is, he doesn't want to hide anything. He wants to show everyone how powerful he is, how good he is, and how much he loves people. And... Uh, how about uh, Peter and John in Samaria? They laid hands on people and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The apostles, it says in Acts chapter 5, performed many wonders. Many wonders were performed by the hands of the apostles. And Peter heals a person of uh, palsy. Peter raises a person from the dead in Acts chapter 9. Peter himself was delivered out of prison by an angel right in front of everybody. Supernatural happenings, demonstrations of God's power. And so Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, the new, uh, the, the, the Passion Translation says this, Acts 10, 38. This is awesome. Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the one that most churches talk, don't talk about. That the real church should talk about. Amen. If you're in a real church, they should talk about the Holy Spirit. Yes. The power of God on the earth. Jesus was anointed with this power. Great power. He did wonderful things for others. And divinely healed all who were under the tyranny of the devil. For God had anointed him. The devil holds people in bondage, in tyranny, as they serve him and bow their knee to the devil. But Jesus came so that people could be free. That's why we're freedom fighters. That's why we're, we're freedom seekers. That's why God put within us a desire to experience freedom. <laughs> it's godly to be free. Anything other than freedom is bondage. 
dare I say, socialism, Marxism, communism, all of that is a man-made worldview that keeps people in bondage. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But you have to be set free by the Son. <laughs> right? And so Jesus came to anoint Jesus. Or, or, the Holy Spirit came to anoint Jesus. Jesus came that we could be anointed. Right? Jesus said, I'm going to leave now, guys, but I'm praying the Father send another comforter so that you can be anointed like I was anointed and do what I did. That's it. Acts 10, 38. How Jesus was anointed, but we are the body of Christ, and so we are Jesus on the earth, and he anoints us to go about healing all and doing good. Doing good and healing all. Doing good and healing all. When we do good, we're doing like Jesus. When we're healing all, we're doing like Jesus. Do you see yourself doing the works of Jesus? Can you see, when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you see Jesus doing what he did, do you see you doing what Jesus did? Jesus didn't belong to an exclusive club. He was the Son of God, but now there are many sons of God and daughters of God, right? Amen. We need a revelation. I need to teach on this some more here. He invested power into you. Don't sit on your power. <laughs> Release your power. <laughs> Release your power. It's not for you. You've already been empowered. You've already been brought from darkness to light. Bring somebody else from darkness to light. Use the power of God to do what Jesus did. When you get a true picture of what Jesus did, then you can get a picture of what God wants you to do. And so that's why we need to go back and look in the Gospels and see what Jesus did. God wants to show the world what it looks like to live a fully surrendered to the power of his spirit and doing what Jesus did. He wants to show the world that there are many Christians. That's why we use the term Christians, little Christs. We're, we're, we're not, we're not going to take the place of Jesus, Right? But we're followers of Christ. And if he was anointed, guess what? We're anointed. If you're a little pinky in the hand of Jesus, you have that same anointing that the head has. Right? Yes. <laughs> Am I making my legal case here? Yes. <laughs> is, is there any powerful people in this place? Yes. <laughs> we're the church, the real church, and God expects us to stand up and declare who he is to the world. He's not mad at you. He hasn't forgotten you. He's concerned about every detail of your life. He loves you. He died for you. He's calling you. He's equipped you. He wants to use you for his glory. This is, well, this is what we tell, but we have to demonstrate that. It's awesome to see in the book of Acts, in the very front, that God moved the party from the secluded room to the streets for everybody to see. That God is not interested in putting on a show to impress people, but that people would repent and believe in him. When I was in Bible school, uh, a group of these renegades that I was hanging out with and praying with, they said, hey, we go down to the bus station in Tulsa 
And we pray for the people there because there's an there's a audience at the bus station. You get what I'm talking about. People just hanging around. They don't have nothing else to do, so they just hang around the bus station. Half of them are drunk and half of them have been sniffing paint, you know. And so some of them are in their right mind and some of them are kind of out of their mind. But you can get an audience. And us Bible school students would go out there and just use them as an audience and preach to them. No, we really had a love for people. Just anybody that would listen, right? So I was bold enough to go with a group of them out there one night to the Greyhound station in Tulsa. And we're, we're walking up there, and you've always got the ones that are in the front of the, front of the group. I think there were about eight of us. And you've always got the one or two that are out there like Peter, like, we're going to do this. And then you've got the ones that are kind of hanging back. I was kind of hanging back, just watching what's happening. And we walked up to this one guy, and he was, he was just like there but not there, like, like, hey, hey, anybody got a beer? And this lady in the group that was with us, she said, uh, you had something wrong with your knee. And he started getting sober, like, yeah, how did you know that? She said, you had an accident and you really messed up your knee. And so she started reading his mail. But it was the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation. And the guy, I watched him. Within five minutes, he was sobered up. And, of course, we, we, we were all just letting things happen. And, and, and finally, somebody said, can we pray for you? I knew it was leading up to that, right? Because we want to demonstrate. The gifts of the Spirit are not given just to impress people. They're given to demonstrate the love of God. God wanted that man to be sober and healed. And we prayed for that man's leg. And I'm telling you, it was like he couldn't believe it. He's like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And he's, he's totally sober. In five minutes' time, it was the gifts of the Spirit. It was God demonstrating his Spirit in the middle of Tulsa in the bus station. But it was these young people that we were so on fire for God, 22, 23 years old, we were just like... Hell has nothing on us. We're going to charge hell with a water pistol. Right? We win. We win. The devil's defeated. And Jesus is exalted. And so I want to turn just a minute over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And take a look at what I'm talking about. The gifts of the Spirit. What are the gifts of the Spirit? What are they? I got in trouble back in, back in the day when I was in high school for asking about the gifts of the Spirit. Well, I don't know. Uh, we, we heard there's some things about the gifts of the Spirit that nobody knows about, and so we just ignore that. We just pass over that, and we just say, it doesn't happen anymore. Well, listen, if you don't want to happen in your church, it's not going to happen in your church. <laughs> Let me say it again. If you don't want God to move in your church, don't worry. He won't move in your church. He'll go down to the next church that is saying, Lord, move. Do something. Heal people. Save people. Deliver people. Right? He goes where there's faith. And we have to have faith 
for God to do what he wants to do. We have to see what he wants to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So from that one verse, we can take a clue that God wants us to be wise and informed and educated about the gifts of the Spirit. He says that in verse 1 of chapter 12, and then he goes on in verse 7 through 11 to explain the gifts of the Spirit. And so we're going to go through those. Starting verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit. Notice that the word gift is, is tied with manifestation. It is it's the gifts of the Spirit, but it also can be called the manifestations or the demonstrations of the Spirit. It is proof that God has power. It is proof that God is God. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. In other words, these gifts that God gives, he doesn't want just one person to benefit from. He wants those gifts and manifestations and demonstrations to flow through us to benefit others. And that's what you can see in the, in the life and ministry of Jesus on earth and in the book of Acts. So it says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of the tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. As the Holy Spirit wills. This is not something that you will. This is something that He wills. It is something that He does, not something that you do. I believe that there was a manifestation of the gift of faith in that testimony from Donna and Samuel. They held on and they didn't give up. And God came and strengthened them and, 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 and established them in their stand for that house. Even when we can't see it, he's working. <laughs> but there's gifts of faith. Now, the gifts of the Spirit operate. They, they operate in the four walls of the church, but God wants the gifts of the Spirit to operate outside the church. Yes. It's not just for a, a Sunday morning. <laughs> the gifts should be operating in the lives of believers and Spirit-filled believers. We're going to get into that next week. But maintaining the Spirit-filled life... These gifts should be operating in our life outside of the four walls of the church, right? Because that's where we live life. We come in here, we, we, we get encouraged, we get strengthened, we get taught, and then we're released to go and do what Jesus did. And so we should expect these nine gifts, nine gifts of the Spirit to operate in our life as the Spirit wills. Because the Bible says that we should desire, if you read in 1 Corinthians chapter... 12, at the bottom of the, of the chapter, verse 31, it says, eagerly desire. I want to point out that scripture, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, even though we won't get into that word, eagerly uh, desire, but it is to long after or even to the extent of lusting after the gifts, desire, 
desire the gifts. To have a strong, passionate desire, a yearning desire to see the gifts. You're not telling God what to do. You're not even telling God how to do it. You're just saying, Lord, I'm available. I'm available. If Mark 16 says, those that believe will lay hands on the sick, I'm a believer and I have hands. I don't have the power to heal anybody. But if I will dare to believe God, when somebody tells me they're sick and I say, hey, i got some hands. Here's Mark 16. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I believe this. Here, let's, let's, let's operate the power of God. Now, there's, there's faith. There's, there's a faith in the faithfulness of God and his word. But then there's also the gifts of the spirit that operate. And if we don't teach on these things, then we remain ignorant on these things. And they will not operate in our life. Because God will not take you over and make you do anything. Right? If you don't want to operate in the gifts of the spirit, guess what? You won't. You won't. You have a boring life. <laughs> because when, the, when, the, when God challenges you to do something, you, that's, where you, that's where Peter was, found himself outside the boat walking on the water. <laughs> Jesus, is this you? Is this? You heard the testimony from Samuel. He continued to submit his will to God, but then that, it, that faith, that gift of faith kept coming back, and he said, no, this is our house. Now you can you can you can say some things if you're looking at that in the natural you can say well he was just he was stubborn and he was selfish and he was crazy <laughs> but if the gift if a gift of the spirit comes on the scene it's going to produce the will of God and God will get the glory notice that Samuel didn't say see see what I did <laughs> look at me I'm so wonderful no he totally submitted to God. He's gotten to a place over this whole process, like he said, from August until now, that he just totally submitted to God. God, whatever you want. I know you wouldn't put us out in the street. I even said, Samuel, we'll move you here in the church. You just have to clean everything up by Sunday. And you can stay here as long as... (laughs) But God, listen, God wants to use us for his glory, for his purpose, for his honor, so that he can show people... Just how awesome he is. Not how awesome we are. He wants to make his name famous. And when we get in agreement with him. That our desire above everything else is to make the name of Jesus famous. Then we're united. Then we're connected. Then the power of God can flow through us. And that's what we want. We want the power of God to flow through us. We want to see God move and heal, deliver, save, change. If there's anybody that's dealing with with nightmares, with uh, PTSD, PTSD, guys. I mean, some of the things that people are dealing with today cannot be solved, cannot be fixed, cannot be healed with medicine. You know, medicine only relieves the symptoms. Only God can get to the root. Only God knows exactly what's going on inside your body. We're going to pray for people that need healing. I don't know if you need healing. 
Maybe there's something going on in your body. You don't even know what it is. You haven't been to the doctor yet. But if you'll try, I do know this. If you'll trust God, he will heal you right here. He'll heal you right now. And you may not even ever find out what was wrong with you. But something will change in your body to indicate that healing came. If you notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says gifts, plural, of healings, plural. So there's, there's different manifestations and different operations. And so who are we to say how this is going to happen or how that should happen? That's why we have to just move back and let God say, do what he wants to do. Move back and just let God do what he wants to do. Are we willing to move back and just let God do what he wants to do? Watch his power work. And then we go, wow, why didn't we think of that before? <laughs> why didn't we just do that before? We put such pressure on ourselves. And then we put pressure, uh, a lot of times we put pressure in people in, in the ministry. Like the pastor up there, he's the only one that can do anything. Well, first of all, I'm not doing anything anyway. If it's, if it's the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit. This is why we've gotten into that place where we exalt people above God. And should I, should I just bring this up right here? It was in my notes here, so. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it because you guys want to know here. I can't leave you hanging. Pride, here, here's, here's, here's a very key to stopping the gifts of the Spirit. Pride. Acts 8. Guys, put it up on the screen. Acts 8, verse 18. When Simon, the sorcerer, saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. <laughs> Saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I can lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said, by the Holy Spirit, <laughs> your money perish with you. Because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. And then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. You see the repentance that happened? After the Holy Spirit pointed his finger at the heart of Simon the sorcerer, we should never desire the gifts so that they elevate us. It's not a pride thing. It's not spiritual badges. It's not lines on your shirt. Guys, we have a really big problem in America that we have exalted men and women in places of leadership that they're the only ones that can do anything. It's real quiet in here now. But it's true. Oh, they're a big man of God. They're a great man of God. No, they're a man with a great God. We have the celebrity mentality. And it's got to come down. <laughs> can, I, can I get an amen? Yeah. This celebrity mentality has got to come down. 
We are empowered. All of us in here are empowered. All of us looking, watching, connecting to God are empowered to do the very same things that Jesus did. If you dare, if you will, if you'll step out of your comfort zone and step over the line and say to someone, hey, can I pray for you? The Lord may give you a word. He may allow you to be part of that person's freedom. What an awesome thing. To play a part in doing the works of Jesus. There's nothing better. There's nothing greater. If you've ever prayed for somebody and they were healed, it was like, whew, it humbles you. It melts you in the floor. It's like, wow. Can I do this again, Lord? Can I do this again? Will you let me do this again? It's awesome.